This editorially independent podcast is supported by Visit Flanders. Today we've got an interview with Bart Delvaux and Ina van der Stock of Brouwerij de Coureur, a small brewery and taproom in the Casselo neighbourhood of Leuven in Belgium's Flemish Brabant province. The Coureur brewed their first beer on the 1st of April 2020, two weeks into the first COVID-19 pandemic lockdown in Belgium. Now it's hard to know whether that's the most interesting part of their story. You know, that they were born in the midst of one of the deadliest pandemics in the history of the world and were forced to fight for their survival before they had even started. Or whether the most interesting part of their story is that they've since become a true neighbourhood brew pub with ambitions not to grow and distribute, but to embed themselves more deeply into a changing community like Kesselow in a way which feels kind of different to other startups in beer today. Or maybe the most interesting thing about their story is that the Coureur is a true celebration of two of Belgium's most iconic pastimes, cycling and beer. Also in a way which doesn't feel like cliche or twee, but rather at the core of their identity. Not only are their beers all named after cycling terminology, but their clientele arrive mostly on bike, whether that's families on you know long tails, the backfeetsen, or the cargo bikes, whether it's recreational cyclists taking a break from their escapades in the hills around Leuven, or whether it's those pulled to the city for international cycling tournaments. Or is the most interesting thing about De Coureur that one of its co-founders, Ina van der Stock, is allergic to alcohol? Or that they don't sell beer in small package, making their beer available only on draft at their own taproom? Or that it's one of the few breweries in Belgium, which is, as you know, a conservative beer market with conservative marketing traditions, that actively uses TikTok as their main social media platform to communicate beer releases, events and branding. It's hard to say. But maybe the most interesting thing about this brewery is that it all began with a terrible accident. I'm Brandon Kearney, and you're listening to the Belgian Smack Podcast. One of this conversation is called Chicago. So, I mean, you have you've done all this traveling, um, and we're now sitting in your uh, brewery and tap room. Uh, 
brouwerij De Coureur in uh, Kesselo, which is a part of uh, the city of Leuven. Are one of you guys from Kesselo, or what is your connection to this place? So I was born in Leuven. Um, I lived until my three years in, in Kesselo, and then I moved with my parents, or my parents moved me myself to Holzbeek, which is the next village uh, next to, to Kesselo. But my parents both worked, so I was dropped off in the mornings uh, at my grandmother's place, then went to school here just around the corner in the Abbey, and then was picked up uh, after, after school again. So yeah, I, I kind of grew up in, in, in Kesselo, uh, alongside uh, Holzbeek, obviously. Yeah, so you're familiar with this region? Yeah, plus we've lived since, so we, we bought a house in 2000, and we've lived in, in, in Kesselo since 2000, except the four years that we were in Chicago. And are you from region no, of Leuven? I am, well, I'm from Rotselaar, which is also a village next to Leuven. And I went to high school here uh, and then college and then started living here. So it's not that I'm from far away, but no. So, I mean, for people that have never been here, how would you describe Kesselo? The in, suburb of Leuven. Yeah, with, with, <laughs> with a lot of mixture in in level of social, um, how would I call that? Yeah, social layers. A lot of different nationalities as well. Uh, a lot of people that studied at the KU Leuven, they stayed here. But once they start getting kids, they move out of the city center of Leuven and find some or try to find something in uh, affordable outside of Leuven, they would come to Kesselo, but that's not the case anymore. But Kesselo is also uh, very expensive now. Um, yeah, yeah, I get the feeling... A lot of people stay then in, in I get the feeling that it's a changing place, that you see a lot of uh, new ideas in like the use of spaces, that you see a lot of development. So, I mean, obviously a prime example is, is, is it Hall Vave, mm-hmm. which is a big kind of... Um, well, I guess it's, a, it's an old, underdeveloped urban space that has now become like a place for families and somewhere to go and have a drink and eat. And it feels quite vibrant and young and dynamic. And there's also, a, for me, correct me if I'm wrong, there's also like a real neighborhood feeling, Kesselo, that, you know, yeah, with the, the way the streets are sort of all scattered out amongst each other. And I guess I see, you know, that there's a brewery here. It's like you're very much a neighborhood brewery. Yeah, we are absolutely neighborhood brewery. The, the, the highest population of Leuven actually lives here in this area in Kesselo. It's highly densely populated. It's like Bart says, a mix of all types of people, which is great. And like you said, Brandon, every street here has a street community. And during summer, they organize things and during winter as well, of course. So um, the community vibe is really big and when we lived we we moved here in 2001 i think from the city center you know after we finished our studies and at that time we still had to go to leuven to the city center to do everything to go to a restaurant or a pub or shopping or whatever we always had to take our bike to the city center these days it's great all these little businesses pop up like ours but also coffee bars or halvev these small initiatives that um create a cool vibe in the in the neighborhood. The neighborhood is much younger than it was 20 years ago as well, of course. Lots yeah, of, that's the, I think that's so the change that I feel, yeah. that, you know, there's young families, there's young people, mm. and people are doing 
sort of new things with small businesses or, you know, bike shops or little cafes and, and brewery and tap room, you know. Um, the, the space itself is also interesting because it's kind of, in a way, it's like hidden in, you know, among kind of the neighborhood streets. It could be like a house. It could be an old, you know, um, sort of industrial space. What, how did you find the space and what was here before? The space found us to start with. Uh, when we, we were still living in Chicago, I wrote a business plan and our idea was to have a brewery in a, what they call in the States, a hole in the wall. So a really hidden gem, which is very unusual in Belgium because you, in Belgium you actually see things and then you go inside. We wanted it to be a, a place to, to discover. So um, when we moved back from Chicago to Kesselo, I told everyone that we know of what we were looking for. You know, we said like for a brewery, it, it has to be a hidden place. It should be this size, yeah, this size. and then preferably... Um, it has to be an old building with a specific character. And then I sort of did my job, and then I was convinced that the, the, the space would find us. And it actually happened a couple of weeks later. The space found us. I got a phone call from someone who knew someone who knew someone who actually has a building that he wanted to sell. It was not for sale yet. He heard about our project. He wanted to meet us. You must be very well connected. Well, <laughs> you just have to believe in things. <laughs> and so, so what was he using the space for? Um, it, so it used to be, since 1927, it used to be a car workshop until the 70s. And uh, that's what you can still see if you look around. It used to be a car workshop. Then it was just empty. And the people who lived here and had the car workshop, they retired. Um, and then the family sold the place to a guy from Leuven who just retired. And he wanted a retirement plan. He bought this place, so a house with a workshop. And he thought about renovating it as his retirement plan and then sell it again. But during the renovation, he decided to actually only renovate the house and sell the workshop because it was too much work. And then he heard about a project. He loved it. He saw me for the first time. Bart was still working in the States at that time. I came, you know, y y you look <laughs> and inside yourself, you're dancing <laughs> like, yeah, this is it. You have to stay serious because you still want to drop don't the you, prize. Don't give it away. Yeah. <laughs> and then Bart came um, Four after. A, a couple of weeks later yeah. to look at the place uh, by himself because I was doing then another job. He had the same feeling. Then we discussed about the prize. It was sold to us. It was never so, for yeah, sale from the start, to anyone it was else. The, the perfect place. Yeah. It was perfect, hidden. <laughs> well, obviously, we're going to talk about sort of the, the concept, you know, and the branding of the brewery and the name and, and a little bit more about the brewery itself. But let's kind of go fast forward from Gaslow and talk about Chicago a little bit, sort of, and you mentioned that a few times. Um, so you guys are um, life partners as well as business partners, right? So where did you guys meet? At college. <laughs> college in Leuven. Well, we actually both studied in Brussels, but we um, had our room, our student room, our cot in yeah. Leuven. Uh, but we followed the same language course, sort of, and yeah, so in first weeks of college, we it already class, in class happened. together. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. So you met in college, you were together, and then I guess a, a job opportunity came up in Chicago for, for you, Bart? Yeah, yeah. I was working for a German software company, and in nine, no, 2014, yeah, 2014, we, we moved to Chicago 
to open up uh, the office and to, to expand the consulting services for that software uh, company. And then from uh, 2015, 2016 on, we were discovering the microbreweries uh, all along Chicago, but also in the different states. And it was amazing to find small places that, that made great beer, sometimes less great beer, but most of the time really, really innovative, uh, different styles of beers. And, and the concept of having a tap room together with the brewery was something we did not know as Belgians. You mentioned to me that there, there was an incident that um, kind of, I think, f fast forwarded your experience with American beer. Yeah, exactly. So in, in 2015, beginning that summer, summer of 2015, I had a, a bike accident and uh, broke my hip uh, during that, that bike, bike accident. And two weeks later, we had planned a hiking trip to Alaska, which obviously with a broken hip was not uh, going to happen. And we changed plans. So I had the two weeks off and I asked Ina, let's uh, organize something else or told Ina, let's you organize something. And we, we did day trips from, from Chicago out with the car. We went to Indiana, we went to Michigan. And then at lunch, you need to figure out something to, to eat. And, and we were in the first village. It was Sawyer in, in, in Michigan. And it was this typical US village, one street on one side, strip mall and Burger King or McDonald's. The other side, you had a, a, the local brew pub, which we don't not know that a tap room or a brew pub, it was for us, it was just a bar. So we went into the bar and we found a place kind of the same situation as, as our place with a bar, with some high top tables, with some normal seating area and a brewery. And, and it was just before lunch, it was packed. We had the last half top table and people were having a, a beer. People that knew each other, people that had no idea who the other one next to him was. At the bar, there was a guy in, in a suit, maybe a lawyer or, or some, some other executive next to a guy that was probably the guy that uh, would uh, pick up uh, the trash. And they had a beer together and, and talked to each other and, and having a burger or some, some hummus and, and, and pita uh, bread uh, with that. And it was a, an amazing atmosphere. And more, more important, the beer was great, which I did not expect. Because until that, my beer experience or our beer experience in the US was going to the local Belgian-inspired bar and have a, a Belgian beer, which we knew was going to be good. And for us, the, the, the American beers were the Budweiser's and the choruses and, and that, that's an interesting like I want to know as well like how much of the the Belgian you brought with you to America and how much of that you let go when you when you finally get into the brew pub but just to go back on that kind of incident I mean <clears throat> I guess it's safe to say that you may you might not have you know experienced those brew pubs in the same way if you hadn't uh, had that because you would have been up hiking in Alaska and you know very much having another fantastic experience but like the, the incident itself was it was it I'd imagine breaking your hip is pretty serious. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, he, he walked with crutches and could just take 10 steps. So I literally couldn't do a lot with him during two weeks of um, vacation. Is it, is, it, is it very painful as well? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we, we didn't he had even, surgery, yeah. Yeah, so the, the bike accident happened on a Saturday. 
And and Ina was on like theater. I think you were at the theater. I was on an afternoon. And and yeah. and I was laying there. I couldn't move, and it, it took me some time. Like people were asking how I was doing, but when I told them I was not doing well and I couldn't move, they were not very supportive. They were either I rather running away from me, saying, "Ooh, I don't want to have a claim uh, for anything." And I, my brains were a little bit stuck. So instead of uh, calling an ambulance, I just pushed the cramps out of my legs and thought, oh, I've got some bruises. Uh, got back on my bike and, and biked the 12 kilometers home. With a broken hip. And a broken bike, I found out afterwards as well. Yeah. So my bike was broken, my hip was broken. I took a shower because my... my Yeah, I was full with blood, covered with blood, and and, and my was it on, was it on a major road or like a small? It was on a, on a path next to the lake, so there is a beautiful a lake, uh, and it was on a bike path, and it was uh, a American that uh, yeah wasn't uh, too sure there were uh, bikers on on that path, even though it's a bike path. So yeah, that's that's that was the cause of of the accident. When I got home, I took that shower. And then I called Ina and told her what happened, that we couldn't go to that uh, barbecue where we were invited afterwards anyhow. So I went to bed to get some sleep, still thinking it's, it's going to be uh, just bruised and tomorrow yeah, we, everything we will be fine. We were optimistic, so I was like, well, you can move everything, that's okay. <laughs> tomorrow yeah. will you, be you fine. You can sleep, sleep it off. You can yeah. move your toes, so you're, you're <laughs> fine. And then the day after, I, I didn't sleep very well. So then the day afterwards, I, I couldn't move my leg anymore. So I woke Ina up uh, and then... Called, said, we called the doctor and he yeah, said... Come um, to the emergency. Go, no, go to emergency yeah. room right yeah. away. Yeah, and at Which, the emergency room, they were rather angry at him. Like, yeah. You should have come immediately. <laughs> yeah, because you should have, have come immediately. You could have snapped. You could have my, lost your leg, yeah, actually. <laughs> the artery, an artery could have snapped. and, and But... I didn't. I didn't know that it was broken. So, to, well, to my defense, the, the, other, the, the other question that kind of brings up is, you know, the, the brewery is cycling themed, so it's Brewery yeah. de Coureur. Yeah. Um, why the hell would you want to re-engage with cycling after an experience like that? Because we we want to turn the the negative experience into something positive, and that's what we did. Uh, so when we, it was not in the hospital that we decided to to start a brewery yeah, it was a couple, of years, later. Yeah, a couple yeah. of years later when we decided let's make a career change let's go and 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 go out of the software and go into something else and into something else was the the brewing sector that we were looking for a name and then we we thought yeah how did we get here and and then it was pretty obvious that that cyclism or The cycling tour that was I was doing and that caused the accident, accident caused us discovering microbreweries, falling in love with microbreweries and the whole scene. And then, yeah, the name was chosen. And and at that time also, when we moved to Chicago, cyclism was in a negative atmosphere. There was some some stories about uh, in, in Chicago or no, in, no Belgium? In, Belgium. in Belgium. In Belgium, it was a little bit of a dip at that time because of stories about. Uh, Uh, drug abuse or what, what yeah it? doping and doping yeah, etc yeah. and so it's it, the cycling team just popped up one day in our head like hey if we do brewery let's call it brewery the career because it's all started with your cycling accident but also because 
cycling is we want to you know it's, it's it's something really neat and, and popular and we want to to celebrate bring it. it yeah or celebrate it yeah. and, what is more what is more Flemish than, yeah, than beer and cycling it's, and it yeah. has been a very rewarding name actually <laughs> a couple and a very yeah a very interesting team also to use as decoration in in, in the yeah, brewery and we attract when you walk. cyclists and beer yeah. lovers at the same time yeah i mean i think it's 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 so connected to like culture in belgium and especially yeah. in flanders when you think of the ronde and you think yeah. of just even aside from you know the, the the sport of cycling just the recreational use of bikes and how people you know Use bikes. Uh, it's it's it's. I think it's embedded in the culture. Well, we, we don't we, we don't own a car. We we always say that we have this American concept of microbrewery with a tap room, which is still very unu- unusual in Belgium, especially because we don't bottle. But we put the Belgian sauce on top of it, the cycling team. So and all the names are in Dutch. Although like twenty twenty five percent of our audience of our clientele is a non-Dutch speaking, it, yeah. but they love to pronounce these cycling terms. So it's a, a nice match between the American idea and the Belgian culture. And, you know, when, when it comes to the beer then, because this is touching on what you mentioned about when you went into the brew pubs, you see um, people enjoying beer and, and sometimes very good beer. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, you and I, and we've all spoken to Belgians who have a perception of American beer as basically being, you know, Oh, that's that's Budweiser, right? And yeah, I mean, they couldn't possibly be the same as our great beer nation. And you know, that that Belgian is someone who only drinks like Jupiler and Duvel, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you went, what kind of mental baggage did you bring as a Belgian um, to to those brewpubs? Did you think were you open on on sort of? Did you say, "Oh, this is the way it should be," or what was your what were you thinking? No, open open to anything. And, and, you know, you mentioned the Belgians with their jubilar and, 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 and more traditional beers. We, we do have a, a long tradition in making good beers. Experience, not that much. There's no, no real beer ex- experience in, in or, or brewery slash beer experience in Belgium, if you compare this to, to the US. Tradition is also a little bit limiting. Um, no, so I, I understand that. I, I, it's just like sometimes it's, there's the grass is always greener, you know, because yeah. when Americans come, they're like the experience of Belgian beer and they have the, you know, the bespoke glassware and the, you know, the farmyards and the abbeys. And, you know, they would say that actually the Belgians know how to give you a beer experience. Whereas, you know, when you're here in Belgium, a lot of Belgians talk about, you know, that, that that's not there and that, like you say, you're kind of hampered or locked in a little bit by by tradition and there's not enough room for you know creativity or freedom exactly so uh, the creativity and innovation is something that that i discovered in 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 the us and, and not only in chicago because i've traveled through 49 states in total and they all have their uh, yeah, the, the nice experience in in, in different tap rooms having having chats with with people in, in the tap rooms, you would also meet the more liberal people, uh, less conservative people, uh, and have nice conversations. In, in, in Belgium, if you want a conversation, you don't go to a brewery, you go to a bar. 
And, and in the US, it's a mix of, of having that brewery and, and, and bar experience. And that's the great, you, you cannot get your, your beer fresher than at the source, which is, which is the brewery. Why come home? Why come back to Belgium? A certain president got elected. <laughs> yeah, so we, we actually we love Chicago. And um, I still remember the election day when it was Hillary Clinton against Donald Trump. We were like, well, we're going to stay here as long as we want. And then we go to bed when Hillary was still leading. And we thought, well, she's going to win anyways. And then you wake up and Donald Trump got elected. And although we were just sort of temporary citizens in the US, we're not Americans, it felt like being in a nightmare. And especially in Chicago, because Chicago is a bomber town. So Chicago had that all of a sudden had that really negative energy and lots of uh, demonstrations started to go on and you remember that Donald Trump every day he said something stupid and it just was it just was awful and so it's sort of then that in our mind things started to change um, and after a couple of months I remember I had to stop hearing the news because you just got depressed and my friends, my American friends actually started doing that as well and then a second thing happened I think I had three American friends and Bart had two American friends it took us a while because we really wanted to integrate and two of my friends moved to another state and one of Bart's friends moved to another state within like one month and in the States, it's like, hey, I got a new job. I'm moving in 14 days. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, so all of a sudden, both of us ended with one American friend. And that was like, oh, shoot, now we have to start over and make new friends. And it's so and then the idea. So, so a, lot of, a lot of things changed at so the same time. So a couple time. of things, yeah, it was sort of a snowball effect. And then we decided to not extend our visa. Mm-hmm. And, and the plan you know, in the middle of all that you obviously had discussions about coming back to Belgium and then the, the idea for the brewery formulated I guess yeah, yeah yeah, like it was a process of two years I mean not the idea of a, a the brewery was when can I tell that story uh, please uh, yeah so Bart always told me he was gonna work hard until the age of 40 and then I was gonna retire and he was really a 60 plus or 70 80 plus hour working consultant and so a couple of months before he turned 40 I asked him hey <laughs> how how does your retire plan look like and it was a Sunday morning at breakfast so when he was I not, was still he was my not head. yeah he was not working yet <laughs> in his head and I just asked him just imagine if you have all the money in the world you do whatever you want but then you know you're only 40 so what what, what would you like to do and then he said, well, I'd like to do, I'd like to have a microbrewery. And I started asking questions and I was like, where is this brewery? Is this in Chicago? Is this in the States? Okay, it's in Belgium. Where in Belgium? Et cetera, et cetera. And how big is it? And what type of beers do you want to You were already make? writing the business plan. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm also a marketeer from, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was just asking all the right questions and everything came out of his, from his heart instead of his head. His head wasn't working yet, so from his heart. And then I, I told him, well, let's see, I'll write a business plan and see if it works. So we wrote a business plan and then I thought, well, this is viable in our situation. We can do this. So um, when we, in the end, decided to move back to Belgium, the first thing I did was just cycling around and looking for a uh, perfect the space. space. <laughs> were, were you sad to leave? 
negative um, vibe that you, that you describe is, is still there? Well, now Joe Biden has been elected, so I assume, but we have not been back, I assume the vibe is better. However, I'm pretty sure it was a four year of rather negative era Plus there is in still Chicago. all the gun issues. And there's still, and, yeah, yeah, well, the, there were all, in, in our time, there were also problems. I mean, every mm. big city has problems, but it was, it was just great city. Yeah. But we don't have any real lot of contact anymore with no. the friends over there, so we don't know how it is to live nowadays in, in, in Chicago. Yeah. Different than Leuven. It's a definitely different. Um, <laughs> it, it compare Chicago on a Sunday and Leuven on a Sunday, you cannot be for, for, further apart. Part two, business plan. So the the first beer I just I just tried is um, it's a beer called Kolka. That's correct. And it's a, a cream ale. So, what's a kolike? A kolike? Yeah, a kolike is our alternative to a pilsner. So, in, in the brewery, we try to have uh, different, uh, different beers. We have uh, three signature beers, the beers that we always on, have on tap, and kolike is uh, the first of those uh, signature beers. And then every, every month, I make a new beer, and then that stays on tap until, until it's out. So, kolike is a very refreshing uh, cream ale. Um, so it's what the, the cyclists drink as, as first when they come here. They wreck their uh, bike and come in for a kolka and then move for, over to the, the stronger beers. And the name? The name? Kolka, it's a small hill. Right, so, so all the, the beer names are cycling themed? Yeah, correct. correct. Okay, we so try to keep uh, the, the names in that, uh, that namespace. It's and named Kolka because when you ride your bike and you just, you know, when you climbed a small hill, you just need a refreshing beer, not too strong. Absolutely, and, and um, it is very refreshing. Um, it's um, there, there's quite a, a, a nice bitterness to it that I wasn't expecting. I was expecting the, the bitterness debut to be a bit lower, but mm -hmm. it's and I like that. It's fairly dry. Um, tell me a little bit about how you're making this one. So it's 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 a very simple malt bill and actually also a very simple hop uh, addition. So we are using 95, 96% of uh, Pilsner malt, uh, which we mash together with uh, some 
uh, corn sorry, and some uh, rice. So mm-hmm. typically I use rice flakes and, and, and corn flakes, less than, than 2% of, uh, of those. And they go into a, a typical mesh of 62, uh, 60, uh, 72 uh, degrees Celsius. And then we mesh out at, at 70, 78. So we keep the mesh for, for an hour to extract the, uh, the sugars. Um, we want a lot of the fermentable sugars to, to make a dry, a dry beer. Um, and then during the boil, we add some 350 grams of uh, golding hops, Belgian golding hops, uh, to that boil. And that gives that bitterness you were, you were mentioning. But still, it's very, very small amount of, of hops mm-hmm. if you compare to, for example, IPAs yeah. or, or even, even a triple has much more hops uh, to it. You don't have that many cream meals in Belgium. No. So do people come in maybe who don't have that much experience with beer and say, what the hell is a cream meal? Oh, there is some lactose because I'm lactose in Poland. Yeah, so there is no milk, no there is no cream. cream. No, that's a, there that's is a conversation no lactose. you have a lot, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So people that are new to us, that's the first question that we get. Is there lactose in the beer? Uh, so I can confirm there is no lactose in the beer. Uh, the cream is because it's very smooth uh, on your tongue. Uh, it's not very uh, high carbonated. So it, it drinks very smooth as well. It's what the Americans call a lawnmower's beer. Uh, so you can, you can drink a beer, uh, then do one lane, uh, and then drink another beer, do another lane. And, and but here it's a, cy- it's a cyclist beer. It's a cyclist beer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know it's, and it's, um, you know, I think you do have that creaminess. The flakes, I think, contribute to that. You have um, wonderful uh, foam stability, scum stability. Mm-hmm. It uh, presents, presents really beautifully as well. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a little bit of that uh, that rice that helps as well to do that. Yeah. I have another beer beside me. It's the Kötenbeiter. Yeah, literally translated the calf biter. The calf biter. So yeah. what does that mean for people that maybe don't know? So if if you start with a kolke, right, which is a small hill, the Kötenbeiter is a larger hill. It will burn your calves. So that's uh, that's the, the challenging hill. A ch- more challenging hill, and that's the idea also behind the beer. Uh, it's a little bit more challenging. Um, it has a nice, uh, like, variety of malts in in the grain bill. We have uh, some pale ale malts, and then we've added also some Munich, uh, some um, malted wheat, and also some oats in there. And then the real bite you're getting from the hops. So if we, I, I, I talked about the hop addition in the, in the cream ale, like 350 grams of hop. Here we have more than four kilos of hop. Okay. And hops that are much more bitter, much more pronounced also in the aroma. And the varieties? Uh, Mosaic and Simcoe are yeah. the varieties that I used. I mean, yeah, you get all the, um, the tropical fruit and the grapefruit and stuff in, in, the, in the aroma. And um, you do have quite a lot of malt character. It's, I wouldn't say it's caramel, but mm-hmm. I would go like, um, it's quite, quite biscuity and maybe yeah. a, a tiny bit of toasty. So there is like a, a nice malt character. Yeah, there that's too. the Munich doing yeah. that trick. Yeah. Um, and then you have another kind of, um, a third core beer, I yeah. suppose you call it. Or which souplesse. Is souplesse. So again, what's the, the idea behind the name? The idea is that you, you ride your bicycle en souplesse, which means you don't feel that you really have to push your, your pedals. Uh, and it's a, it's a very nice 
way to see somebody biking his uh, or riding his bike. So on, you would say that guy is cycling en souplesse. Very yeah, smooth, yeah. smooth, very rider. drinkable. Yep. Uh, it's a triple, but it's not too bitter. It's not too sweet. It's nice balance. So it's, it's a little bit sweet on the intake, nice and bitter at the end. And then we've used a, a nice uh, yeast to give some spice as well to the yeast, uh, to the beer, sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, I'm always curious because, you know, you mentioned that you have 25% of your, uh, of your clientele who are not Dutch speaking. So I presume not from Belgium. Um, uh, yes, but a lot of them live here. So, so there's so live a, a, a big international community living in Leuven who are amongst our clientele and then added some tourists, of course. Yeah. And then you have neighborhood uh, people and then maybe you have some other people coming from yeah, other areas to check out the brewery. Like you have to deal with a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. Um I guess for the Belgian drinker, the triple comes in useful. It's it's an immediate. They understand exactly what it is. Um, how does the IP? How do people re- respond to the IPA? Because even though it's like the, you know, dominant beer in the inverted commas craft beer movement and pretty much other every other country in the world, it's still it's it's more well known than it was five years ago in Belgium, but it's still not you know a triple. Well. I think most of our clientele actually are already beer lovers because you come to a brewery when you're interested in beer. So almost everyone knows IPAs. Not all they don't are, pronounce it as an no, IPA. No, they say IPA. IPA. <laughs> yeah. um, so most of them do know it. However, like you said, if we look at our best-selling beers, our triple NR American IPA that you're drinking right now, um, are sold the the best but sort of the same level or the same quantity it also depends on the season like colican in summer is very yes, very but, well but selling but the triple and the ipa yeah. are all year round yeah well sold beers yeah and yes we have triple fans usually a little bit of older uh, clientele and then uh, ipas usually younger or more the beer geeks well, the beer geeks want to try everything. Uh, and our neighbors, uh, they come very often. They always want to try the new beers as well. Yeah. We try to convince them, convince them to try the new styles. Uh, yeah, because, you know, I see on your board out there, you've got a, a, a dark mild mm-hmm. and you've got a, a, a goes. A goes, uh, we just released. Like, who the hell's drinking the dark mild? You know, the ones it's, it's that, a wonderful style of beer. Don't get me wrong. I'm just yeah. sort of, you know, it's not a anything that people here are familiar with and it's also it's i would describe it as quite a a nuanced beer because it's low abv and it's got some subtle malt flavors so it's not a wow in your face type of beer so like who the hell's drinking that typically the the dark beer drinkers Yeah, yeah so we don't have a ton of dark beers on on the menu so if somebody comes in and says oh i just want dark beers then then it's an obvious choice to to not have a 11 percent stout but to have a three and a half percent dark mild and people that try to or like to try something else than than the regulars so we do have uh, guys that that have our peloton, which is a flight, and it sells well in the peloton because they want to try it. Uh, but we do have uh, quite some some regulars that that have the dark mild. Uh, Just like you said, the dark beer lovers. Yeah. It's our only dark beer at the moment. At the moment, it is. So we always try to have a variety of beers to please everyone. The ghost, like you said, we just released 
it's just like the cream ale. A lot of people have no idea what it is. So we have to explain it and then they want to try it. Yeah, because the temperatures are nice and we're like nice, refreshing, low in alcohol. The Goza Give sells, it a try. The Goza sells very well to yeah. people that don't like beer in general. Because it's not very beerish. You know, it's it's uh, outside their, their normal understanding of what beer is. Exactly. It's not a pilsner, it's not a triple, it's not bitter, it's not malty, it's very fresh, it has some salty touch to it, some mineral. So people that say, I like dry white wine, we, we push them towards, uh, we, we don't push them towards a dark mild, we don't push them towards uh, a souplesse, then it's yeah, the obvious choice to, to, to try the, well, the goals. Of. Yeah, like, like I said before, we actually attract beer lovers who come to a brewery, but it's some, sometimes they have company with them who are not beer lovers. And a goes is great to sell to them. They're like, well, I actually don't, I don't like beer, <laughs> but I'm here because he wants to come or she wants to come. And then either we push our, our ginger ale, non-alcoholic ginger beer or iced tea or, or a goes. Yeah. Goes is also a great style to, to experiment with. So there's a lot of fruit that goes well with the goes. It's kind of fruity on, it, on its own because of the yeast that I used. But adding fruits, it's all. Yeah, it's almost like creating another beer. Um, yeah, you have a lot of options. You can have a lot yeah. of fun and yeah, even you can spice, like heat. You can. Last year we had a gozo with with jalapeno. Mm-hmm. It was it was really nice. Uh, we had yeah people coming over and over, and they were very disappointed when when the last cat blew on the on the jalapeno gozo. It, it, you know, it's 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 um it's fun to talk about those beers, and it's really exciting that you you know you have them on uh, on draft. Um, I think. One thing that's interesting is, you know, you you bring your American experience with you back to Belgium and that's clear from, you know, the international styles and the way that you set this place up. Um, but the triple that you have on sells well, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned to me at the, at the start when you were showing me the, the, the tap room, it's like, well, we're not like doing a lot of traditional Belgian stuff. And then when I turned around to see the tanks, we had one tank is full of triple one is full of saison and one is full of whitbeard so i mean i'm always interested in the tension of like yes we have this fantastic heritage that we should protect and be proud of but at the same time we need to be more open-minded to what the world has to offer and what we can learn from other countries and maybe change the way we drink a little bit so i'm i'm curious as to where you fall like do you want to kind of completely move away from traditionalism and like create something new on your own, which is much more influenced by other countries? Or do you want to, is that still a part of you from your student days or drinking with friends and older family members when you were younger with a Duval or with a, a triple caramelite or whatever it was? In the end, I want to make beers that I like. Um, because when it comes to a point where nobody drinks the beer, I will drink it. And then I rather make a beer that I like to drink than I would not uh, yeah, uh, want to swallow. So the styles that I make are, are, are accessible styles, but not traditional, therefore. So if you saw the, the wheat beer, the wheat beer will be dry hopped with more or less one, two, no, two kilos of, uh, of hops. So that's a, a lot for, for a wheat beer. So it's a traditional style, but it's not going to be a traditional taste. 
Same for the, the saison. The saison is once we, we make that, that one once a year. It's a recipe from a local uh, brewer as well here in the, in the area. He has a very, very tiny uh, brewery. And the first time he brewed it, he brewed it for um, a organization that is um, raising money. So it's for charity for Young Dimensia. And then they asked me to make that beer. So I tweaked the recipe a little bit, but it's still the base recipe from, uh, from Chris. And now we make it every year. Uh, they, they come and fill it up in bottles. So we, we never bottle mm -hmm. except for that, that cha mm -hmm. charity organization. And then they, they will sell it in, on their uh, yearly uh, event in, in September. Okay. Again, it's a saison, but it's not a traditional saison because it's very, very hop forward. And it also has some cardamom as a spice in, in there, which is not very common in, in no. saisons. It's also, you have to be quite careful with it because it can present very strongly. Oh, yes. So it's but like it's, a, it's a 500 liter tank and it's only 60 pits of, yeah, uh, yeah. of the cardamom. Yeah, so if we brew the traditional beers, Bart always tries to tweak it a little bit to make it a little bit more yeah. creative. But we have to find a balance between the traditional and the innovative because yeah. if we go all the way experimental in this concept, we won't sell enough of to course. Well, that's what, that was going to be my next question was going to be, you know, how do you feel when you hear him say, I only want to brew beers I want to drink because, you know, of course, this is absolutely a passion project, but it's also a business, mm -hmm. right? So to completely disregard the kind of the will of the consumer or the behavior of the consumer I, would be perhaps a little foolish. So how do you, how do you feel when you hear him say, oh, no, I, it's, 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 it's... Lucky enough, I drink a lot of beer styles, <laughs> so I'm pretty... But I fully, I fully support him. I, I really think we just have to do what we want to do completely. You only live once. If you can, you have to. So we do what we want to do. You don't know how many people uh, tell us every week, you should start bottling. And we're like, no, we don't want to do that. Well, what is your expansion <laughs> plan? Why would when we are do you that? making, when yeah. are you going to do yeah. more but fermentation I, I think that the viewpoint we can of... Absolutely, sir. We are very happy well, with I this concept. Yeah. The, the scale is what allows you to yes. maintain that sort of selfish, and I don't say that negatively. No. Um, sort of um, outlook and, um, you know, allows you to do that because, you know, the minute that, because, you know, people don't understand the pain of bottling. They don't yeah, understand the capital yes. investment, and the time that you need yeah. to go in, and the, the, the potential that, issues for the beer. Yeah, yeah, and then you're stuck with specific beers as well. You have to sell and the logistics and whatever. I mean, no, we, we really don't want to do that. We want to brew a new beer every month. We want to stay creative. Um, it's the same with people who all of a sudden are passionate about one of our seasonals and then the last gag is there and they're like ah, they when are you going to make it again you should and again. make it again and we're like yeah maybe mm. in two years maybe in three years but not the next six months you'll you find a new one you like yeah. no worries you mentioned you have some cafes in Leuven or one or two I think which which do have kegs sometimes from you guys there yeah. are two, two uh, pubs who have uh, kegs do you us. ever find people who have discovered your beer yes. there eventually making their way here just to see yes. what the hell's going on yeah yes they drink it there and then actually the owner sells them well you can also drink the beer at the brewery itself and much more yeah. and their variety and then they come to us yeah, yeah. and you know obviously it's a, it's a question of like business model that you know you're you're selling your beers here on top with the the margin that you kind of decide 
um, you have to work differently with the bar, of course. But how much of the the decision to to keep it here mostly, like on draft, is also like the fact that you're control freaks and that you want to, you know, um, I don't want to say protect the beer, but like ensure that anyone who comes into contact with it experiences it in the way that you want yeah, them to experience. We like it. to guarantee the quality. It's hundred percent why we want to keep our beer yeah. here and, and, and the, only have it served in bars that we know the owner of and we know the owner is we, actually... Not only we know the owner of, also it's the, it's it's the same person that is, is pouring the beers in the uh, in, in the tap room and and it's, it's a funny fact that the two bars that we do business with, they pick up the kegs by bike and not by car. So it fits in our story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another kind of question about the business model is, <clears throat> you know, you know, you mentioned that um, you have been involved previously in like sustainable tourism, and you know you, what you're doing here is like you're you're not transporting beers all around Belgium. Um, you guys don't own a car. Um, the the beer is fermented and conditioned. And maybe I don't know what is it ten yards, five yards away, like ten meters maybe, mm-hmm. um, is is goes into into like a, a package for serving. Yeah, so my, my longest hose is ten meters, so it's going to be less than ten meters. <laughs> less than ten meters. Yeah. So you know, is that just a kind of a happy coincidence of trying to keep the business model tight, or is it like a, a, an ecological sort of decision and how you want the business to operate? It's, it's definitely the ecological decision on how we want it to operate. It's, it has always been our idea to use as much as we can local products, um, be as sustainable as possible, um, try to have the shortest amount of energy or the shortest chain. We, I don't know how you call that in English, but um, yeah, use the least energy we can, serve directly to the people by ourselves. It's just a one man and a woman business, woman business. Sorry. And I mean, what are the? Because you know, the, I think that's. Um, it might not be very sexy on the surface for a lot of people, but I think more and more consumers in all in all products and all services are thinking about that a little bit more and are attracted by the idea of something which is a little bit more ecologically friendly. You know, the neighborhood brewery. You know, as you said, dispenses close to production. Um, what what were your experiences before when you were working in sustainable tourism? Was it like project management or what were the types of things that you were doing? Um, yeah, I've done different jobs, but project management was my last job where I was training te- teach teachers or... Um, yeah, train the trainers. Yeah. yeah, train the trainers, sorry. Yeah, train the trainers in developing countries about innovative tourism. And it was actually all about sustainable and innovative tourism to... Just use what you have in your neighborhood, try to be as sustainable as possible and make a great local experience out of it. Which actually this is because our locals are our main target. Our neighbors are the ones we love the most. (laughs) Um, But tourists are welcome as well, of course. And this is also a great experience for tourists because tourists in Leuven actually stay within the city center normally. But Leuven uh, promotes herself as a beer city. So a lot of tourists just 
either they go to the tourist office or they Google brewery in Leuven and they find us and they see that we actually have a tap room that is open for days a week and then they come by bike or by bus or on foot outside the city center and they walk or cycle through a neighborhood and they get this vibe in the neighborhood and then they have to discover us here in the street because like you said it, it's a street with houses and ours look like a house with a graffiti gate and you just have to look inside and then come in and then they come in and they're like oh This, this is a discovery. How cool. And then they have a beer. And usually there are locals here as well. And they start talking and chatting with each other. And they stay here for hours sometimes. And But that's like, the thing, you know, by, by engaging more with the local community, I think you can also make it valuable experience for tourists as well, yes, you know, because yes. they want something more authentic. They have the real authentic yeah. experience, like sort of living here yeah. and having a beer here. Yeah. And, you know, you were talking earlier about... Um, how you were sort of selecting bits of memorabilia from bikes and you were working with a kind of a, a bike shop uh, close yeah. by? Yes, our local bike shop. Um, when we, when we, we were in the startup phase, I went to see him and we asked him about bike parts we could use for our interior design. And he told me like once a month he, the 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 bike parts he cannot use anymore. He it goes to a recycling park, so I could come and check out if I can use some of these bike parts. And then he got really excited as well and asked us about what what are you what are you actually going to do with all these things? And I was like, well, we're going to make lamps and well designs for on the walls. So I showed him the pictures, and it was great because he started to look for us as well, and he found the greatest bike saddles and wheels and. Yeah, and, and frames, and frames, old newspapers about cycling, yeah. and he donated everything to us. No, it's, it's a great idea, and it, like you said, it's really like um, you know Flemish culture, beer, and cycling, and um, and you know I think that idea as well about the the you know reaching out and kind of being part of a community is also evident from the the collaboration you've done with some other local breweries, like in the kind of Vlaamse Brabantstreek. So. I saw recently uh, you guys worked a little bit with uh, Jeff from Hoften Dormal and Dimitri von, from Adept and um, who, who else was involved? Steven mm -hmm. from Brau Atelier and then Luke was here from Kai Winkelhoff in Lübeck. Okay, well. so what was the idea behind that? And like, was it something that you initiated or was there a strong enough relationship between those local breweries that you, you kind of, this was always going to happen? There Both. would have been a chance that yeah. it would happen, but probably not with all four of them or all f five of us together. Um, but it was initiated by the war in, in, in Ukraine. So in, in February, there was a, a call out from, from Ukrainian brewers to, to raise awareness and start brewing beers for Ukraine and drink for Ukraine. In, in February, we... Yeah, we revived our, our coffee stop, which was a, a Belgian royal stout, to resist. So what we did is we took the base beer and we added some, some beetroot juice and, and that was our resist. We sold that for, for charity. So two, two euro off uh, every beer was going to 1212 uh, consortium. And then we were looking further uh, to do something, uh, yeah, a collaboration with, with some other brewers. And, and, and I raised it with our befriended uh, brewers to, to make a beer for, for Ukraine. 
And it was uh, one of uh, Pravda's beers, uh, which is a, a brewery in, in Lviv. Uh, it's called uh, uh, Putin Huilo, which means Putin is a, can I say the word? Please uh, Putin is a dickhead. Okay. <laughs> beer, it's a, it's a Belgian gold. Who came up with the name? The Pravda guys? Yeah, yes. the Pravda guys. Okay. So, so the beer initially was brewed the first time in 2014 after the annexation of the Krim or Crimea. And uh, has been on tap at the at the brewery uh, from from since or since then, and has been shipped over the world also since then. But now the the call came to do something outside of uh, of Ukraine, and and I called uh, Dimi and I called Steve. Did you have a relationship with the Pravda guys? No, not at all. But uh, I had a relationship with a few Ukrainians, uh-huh. and and I it was on my. Yeah, on my radar. We wanted to do something for them, but we didn't really know what to do that f- suits us. And then the call came from the Pravda Brewery to brew, to, to brewers worldwide, to brew Putin Hulos. And we're like, yes, we can do that. And actually at the same time, which is just right beco- uh, before Leuven Innovation Beer Festival. So it was Bar's idea to reach out to the local brewers. We were also at the beer festival to do a collab. And... We did a brew when we brewed it together. So the five brewers together, we um, auctioned a brew workshop because we have we here we do brew workshops. When we brew, people can come with us and brew with us. So we auctioned a brew workshop, and two people donated each four hundred euros, uh, two hundred. Okay, yeah, I don't we, know. Had, we had four hundred euros. We had four hundred euros in total. Two people um, came to brew with us with the five local brewers. Um, that went to charity as well. And so we brewed Putin Hulo, which was also then released at the Leuven Innovation Beer Festival. Yeah. So and, it was and, all and also in the other breweries. So it was it really a local good. thing. Yeah. It, it created awareness also in, in Lübeck and, and, yeah. and in, in Tildon. Part three is called self-awareness. mentioned that the courier is the dream right so and you're executing on the dream you're back in Kesselo after having been to you know Chicago and everything um you're I think you started spring 2020 so this is now um second year second I year mean, and a bit third, third yeah, year a bit, yeah. Yeah. um you you seem to me to be two people who are quite uh, ambitious in your ideas so I'm I'm curious because like it feels like you wouldn't stop thinking or iterating on things that can improve or ideas, you know, that you would maybe change. Um, do you have plan? Like, is it, are you happy with think, how things are now and just want to keep executing and enjoying it, or is there something else to come? I want to keep on making good beers with a twist. And if I can do that, I will be very happy. So if we can survive 
doing doing that, I will be very happy. Yes, yeah, I, I so don't want to expand. Are, we are very happy as yeah. it is right now. We absolutely do not want to grow. <laughs> and like Bart says, as long as we can be creative in making new beers, for instance, or or meeting new people, meeting new people that's, having that's these nice small new projects, that, new charity yeah. projects. It's just yeah, yeah. that's great. The nice thing on, on, on having a brewery and a tap room is that you have the best, also the, the bad things, but the best of the two worlds, being able to be creative in the brewing process and meeting new people the whole time and seeing them enjoy the beers. And that's what makes us happy to have or to see other people being happy. Okay, so let me challenge you slightly on that one then. So you get a lot of satisfaction out of seeing other people enjoy the beers you produce in a space and through an experience that you have curated. That's, you know, I understand that mm -hmm. satisfaction. Is there not a part of you that would maybe like to see more people engage with that experience and you know, have, the, have those beers? So maybe a few more cafes or maybe if... You know, we could have people we trust sell it in package in the right environment, or if people in the other side of Belgium could also, like, is there not a part of you that's like, we, we're so proud of what we're creating that actually we would like more people to experience it? No, if we, yeah. not, not outside of this tap room. So first of all, there is the factor control freak. So I'm pretty control freak. So that's in why a, we want a wanna... little bit less, but I am control yeah. freak. And and secondly, in Belgium, once you start with with employees, it's hard. It's really hard. In, well, in on the small scale. So then you become a manager, and we really yeah. are hands on. So we have a meeting. We have a meeting once a week, the two of the two us, of us yeah. one hour, and we can cover all our points in that one hour. And if you start growing, then you have one meeting per day, and no, no, then, I've no. I've done my share of meetings. Not, yeah, <laughs> me, me too. So no, no way, no, no. But but we we just like people to enjoy to have the experience here with us in the brewery, in the tap room, with the beers fresh on tap, with the brewer they can talk to. Once you go outside of this tap room, it's out of our hands, yeah. and it's also out of her of our story. So it's sort of a third hands story and it becomes a different thing it's that's not what our business model is I, I totally understand what you're saying and I you know I commend your mm -hmm. self-awareness because I think a lot of people you know are so proud of what they're doing that they, they their eyes become bigger maybe than their their we capacity are, in a way well, that they want to and through very positive intentions they want to get their beer out there as much as possible and I I understand that as well but um you know, you have to have a particular business model that works yeah, it, and this, be happy this, with the sort of... The yeah, that's what I want. This works very well for us. We are, by the way, we're economists, economists from education. So we do know about business models, etc. But at, in this time of our life, being happy is way more important than making lots of money and growing, etc. But that sounds like it's coming from a place where perhaps there was a time where you weren't so happy. Well, mm. um, well, to me, I've worked very hard until we moved to Chicago and then I had to find a new job and I started doing what I loved doing, which was tour leading. And all of a sudden I thought, 
I had great jobs in the past here in Belgium, but I worked so hard and so fast that I really couldn't enjoy them fully. And I don't want to go back to that. And Bart had the same. However, he didn't experience it like that. He just loved working very hard. I was just getting too comfortable. Yes, in, he needed a new what challenge. I was doing. Um, there was um, no challenge anymore. And I was I, one of the best in what I was doing. And then it's too easy. And that's a, that's a trap. If it gets too easy and don't get challenged, then you get lazy, you get nonchalant, and that's that's never good. But also in this business, we look at each... or we, we don't know where we will be in five years. It's just right now we want to do this and we just keep on doing whatever we like to do and not whatever anyone else tells us to do. So. And is, is there a risk, you know, and you'll be well aware of it because of your previous experience, that you become comfortable and not challenged and nonchalant in producing beers if, and running if, a tavern? If I have to brew a surplus <laughs> every day, yes, then, then I will yeah. be less happy. We, but we attack that with different measures. So again, we try to do a new beer every month, like make a new beer every month. We are doing the workshops, which keeps us very, very sharp because sometimes we have very, very vivid homebrewers that start during the breakfast already sucking the energy and the, and the knowledge out of me. Sometimes we've got um, academici that have no idea what, what the ingredients of the brewing are. They have two left hands, or how do you say it? Yeah, yeah. Very clumsy. <laughs> and, and, and that keeps us on, on, on top of, of, of the things and keeps it interesting uh, for us. Well, Bart is a person who likes sort of a regular, regular thing, but being creative within it. To me... I have to see every year <laughs> because like I told you before, I think outside of the podcast, I have always been a job hopper. So every three to four years, I need a new challenge. So this is his dream. When we lived in Chicago, I became a tour leader and I am still a tour leader right now once in a while because that is what I love to do and I need to do it also to get that energy from. And so... Um, As for Bart, I see him doing this until his retirement, his real retirement plan. Uh, as for me, we'll see. You know, and your, your, your life partners as well as business partners, which has a, obviously a, a certain dynamic. You know, do you guys have like time for Bart and Ina that's not Kurur, if you understand what I'm yes, asking. Yes, yes, we yeah, do. Yeah, we, um, we visit breweries. No, no, no. I'm just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> yes, we, I understand. We do, actually. Because so like Bart says, we have a, a, a weekly... I'm, my, my task here is my name is the Optimist, so I want to keep everyone, including ourselves, happy. So when we have our weekly meeting, the first thing we do when we talk about next week is actually talking about our private time, as in... Do I have a block for myself, me time? Do you have a block uh, for yourself, me time? Do we have social time with friends? And then do we have partner time at least once a week? And then we start looking at the tasks for the brewery and planning in the tasks so for actually, the brewery. So actually in the meeting you prioritize the non-brewery stuff? Always prioritize yeah. the non-work stuff. 
and then the work stuff. And if you don't have time enough for the work stuff, it has to go to the next week because you are, you can all, if you have your own business, you can always work, always. So that's why you need to prioritize. Well, I, you know, I think a lot of couples um, probably don't have that set time to make sure they carve out time for themselves and each other enough because of, you know, work commitments and, you know, stress in different parts of their life or maybe or kids, kids and stuff. <laughs> kids, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's interesting that, that, that it, you know, that's a focus and maybe that's also part of the success of the project and the relationship is that you can prioritize that and, and keep it up, up front. Yeah, I, I, I listen to a lot of American business podcasts and those ideas come from those podcasts, actually. And it's great. It's working very well because in the beginning we didn't do it and then you prioritize your own business and then you end up like, oh, it's it never nice happens and you don't, have, you don't yeah. have clear communication. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and we are indeed, we are life partners, so we should keep that um, contact as well and prioritize time for us as well. Also at home, Bart, it's a challenge for Bart, but there are times I don't want to talk about the business. Why not talk about the business? It's the <laughs> world thing so yeah. much. <laughs> you know, when you're brushing your teeth to go to bed, you and he has cannot an idea have for a partner a new beer. who all, yeah. all, all of a sudden says, hey, have you read that email? And I'm like, oh, shoot. No. So that yeah. is forbidden. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but I think that's, last that's, time that's, I did that was last year on yes. Monday. The, I don't know. Yeah. But I think that's a difficult and common thing in, in a lot of uh, businesses which are, are you know have, have the, the partners involved um, okay if there was one thing about the brewery project so far that you regret or you could change what would it be the startup the startup a hell of a face yeah. and what do you mean by that the startup well, the, the, the permits, uh, getting things going, renovation of the building. Yeah. So I, I lost 15 kilos. Just I lost of, three like, years of my life. Yeah. <laughs> like the physical work and, but that was part, but the stress was so much. Like Was that stress about wasting time or was it financial stress or what was no, the... No, not financial. Re but regulation and... Yeah. and it's just so tough in Belgium to start up a business. The rules are so hard and they come it's so difficult. I mean, and they're from different parties and they, they don't, they seem to collapse sometimes. And it's so confusing. So the federal, and, federal uh, uh, department A says you cannot do that. The local department B says you have to do that. And then it's like, okay, so how do we find like the middle of those to make it fit Ooh, yeah, that is gonna cost you fifty thousand dollars or fifty thousand euros. Oh shit, we didn't budget yeah, no, for I mean, that. So another rule says federal government says this, and the local says that. Oh, that's gonna cost us another twenty thousand. So ooh, that's another fermentation tank less. So it's yeah. So that part oh, was. Yes. I mean, you, you guys were surely aware of that growing up and living in Belgium beforehand, you know, that's something... Yes, yes, uh, actually, we went to a couple of breweries beforehand and everyone told us, don't do this. Don't start a brewery. Don't start a brewery. It's going to be so tough to start a brewery. And so we were warned, but we didn't thought it would have been so tough to start a brewery. But once we've opened, or once we started to brew, which is actually was April 1st of 2020, our first brew day, two weeks into lockdown... Since then, you're happy. 
even with COVID and even with an energy crisis right now. Was, was there ever a point in that startup phase where you were like, well, this is a Several this is times. <laughs> I, I was, and she said, no, no, we keep on going, we keep well, on going. Asked, I was like, yeah, asked, okay, let's go back to my old job. And if, yeah. <laughs> Yes, but if it would have been a work we were doing for someone else, I would have quit like 10 times in YouTube. But now if this is your own business, once you, you start rolling, you have to keep rolling until you're ready. Okay, sort of a flip question then is, um, if there was one moment where, of which you're most proud in the brewery project or maybe one moment where that you remember as yeah this is this is what it's all about every weekend when the tap room is full with people and you see happy faces and 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 people playing games and and having some popcorn and having enjoying yeah. the beers and yeah. sitting outside and yeah chatting with each other yeah. bringing their own food yeah. i find it always funny if a, the pizza delivery guy enters with yeah. a pizza what for pizza yeah. <laughs> so if we are behind the bar the two of us looking at the audio uh, our our guests enjoying beer that's when you're happy yeah our legs might be hurting but <laughs> yeah it's it's a good feeling. Those are the nice days when you get in bed and 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 you sleep well. Yeah, it's all worth it. Yeah. Last question: um, Do you guys love what you do? I do. I see my do. <laughs> <laughs> Ina doesn't like the cleaning. Yeah. <laughs> so brewing, brewing is cleaning. Yeah. And in the top room, there's a lot of cleaning up as well. Yeah, a lot of yeah. cleaning. Yeah, a lot yeah. of cleaning. That's why I need to do tour cleaning as well to compensate for the cleaning mm, here yeah. in the tap room. Um, okay, well, thank you so much uh, for uh, welcoming me to the brewery, for having a chat with me. It's been a real pleasure. And um, yeah, I look forward to coming back lots of times and best of luck with the future. Thank, thank you, you for having us on the podcast. Brandon, thanks. visit Flanders for their support in producing this podcast and thanks to all of you for listening. My name is Brendan Kearney. This has been the Belgian Smack Podcast. Until next time, love what you do. Love what you do.